Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. Greetings, uh, Movement podcast listeners. My name is Scott Berry. I'm the team leader for the Next Generations Ministries with Baptist Churches SA, and I'm joined here today by Pastor Josh Kay. Hello, hello, hello. Great to have you with us, Josh. So good to be here. Uh, I know you did a sermon recently for Advent. Tell us a little about your take on it. Ah, so one of the first things that came to me when thinking of Advent is the word kingdom. And that word kingdom has been on my heart for quite a while. And, you know, I really wanted to unpack what is a kingdom. Um, And for me, thinking about coming, about Jesus' coming, he came to establish something that sometimes we overlook. And he came to establish not religion, but a kingdom. And the benefit, I think, of understanding about kingdom is that we, the people, are subjects of this coming kingdom. And it's really important that we have an understanding not of religion, but of a kingdom. In fact, Jesus spoke more about the kingdom than he did heaven and hell, about the, about the crucifixion coming, about the resurrection. The first words in Matthew 4, his first word was repent, for the kingdom of God is here. So my heart is to just unpack that and what does that look like? Excellent. Yeah. Well, Great. Thanks, Josh. I look forward to listening to what you share here. I'm here today to be a witness. All I'm here to do is just point you to Jesus. I've got a very simple message and a very complex message this morning. And I pray that if you're here, I want you to get a takeaway home before I finish my sermon. My takeaway that I want you to get this morning is that Jesus Christ is sovereign, that Jesus Christ is the ruler, and that when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to collect his bride. And we are his bride. And we're in a series uh, titled, The King is Coming. And we're in week two. And if you were here last week, Pastor Jeremy set this up really well. It was a, really, it was a confronting message. Um, we talked about how uh, the king is coming back and is going to come and is going to either separate the sheep and the goats. And it's, in a really, it's, a, it's a frightening thought knowing that king is coming back if we're not right with God. And I just want to be on the side of Jesus. Because when he comes back... I want to be the kind of church that is just hungry and desperate to come back and be with my, with my dad. And that's really what my message is this morning. Today, I want to speak about a topic. Last week, we spoke about the king. This week, I want to speak about the kingdom. Last week, we spoke about what the king's going to do. Today, I want to talk about the kind of kingdom that Jesus Christ is going to establish in the here, but then the future. And there's a little bit of a conundrum because we know that Jesus Christ being born reveals the coming kingdom. But we also know that Jesus Christ is coming back. But when he comes back, he's going to establish a marriage. And he's going to come back and collect us to be in his kingdom. And it's interesting because this week, Pastor Jeremy asked me to speak on this topic. Immediately, I looked through the, the Gospels, and it's amazing what you find in Jesus' ministry. Does anyone know the very first words of Teshtonel? 
The very first words of Jesus, his first words in Matthew and in Mark. That's right, I'm glad you said that. It's the kingdom. In fact, it says the time is fulfilled on your screens. Jesus' very first words, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is, where it really, this is where it really blew me away. Because Jesus never came to preach religion. He came to preach a kingdom. How do I explain this? Religion is a set of laws and principles and memberships and coming together where a kingdom is about King Jesus. And what I've realized with Jesus' ministry, he didn't come and preach do's and don'ts. He came to preach a kingdom. Are you with me? And as I kept reading the scriptures, the more and more I started to find is that Jesus was coming to bring a kingdom. Our Father, what in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. Last week we heard about John the Baptist preparing the way for the Lord. What was he preparing for? It's the coming king in his kingdom. In fact, tells us here in the next verse, it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent. Again, the same words, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Here's my question to us this morning. If Jesus was to come back right now and he's sitting with you right now, Will you be ready? I have to ask myself this question because knowing that the kingdom is coming, he ain't coming back this time as a lamb. He's coming back as the king. Are you with me? I want us to be ready for when Jesus Christ comes back in that marriage and he's coming back to establish a kingdom. So this morning, here's what I want to do. I can't tell you everything about the kingdom because it's so broad. But I'm going to give you two points this morning that's going to refer to what the kingdom of God is like. And then my last point this morning is I'm going to give you a practical example of how you and I can receive this kingdom and how it affects us as the church. Is that okay? My first two I'm going to explain. My last point is going to be some application. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit just opens up our heart this morning for this word. My first point this morning when it comes to, actually before we start, I want to give you the definition of kingdom. The kingdom's referring to the reign, the rank, or the power of a king. Secondly, a kingdom is talking about a realm, a domain, and a sphere. Now when most of us, we think kingdom, we think of a place. Don't we? We think of heaven coming one day. We're going to go to heaven. But that's not what Jesus preached. Jesus is the king, and it's his kingdom, and he rules in his kingdom. And he sits on his throne, and he rules in this kingdom. And this is what we're talking about, kingdom. It's a realm, and it's a reign. It's a reign, and it's a realm. And that's what I want to do to set up our understanding of the kingdom. Does that make sense so far? Okay, great. Let's go to our first point this morning. The kingdom of God is a kingdom 
of peace. Do you want to know the most misunderstood word, I think, today is peace? What happens is the kingdom of peace is that we sometimes think that peace is about happiness. Did you know that God doesn't care if you're happy? (laughs) He doesn't care if we're happy. What God wants to do is he wants to establish a kingdom. Now, let me set this up. Let me explain what's going on here in your next slide. Now, Isaiah tells us this way, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, Isaiah, for those who've never heard the story of Isaiah, he's prophesying about a coming king who is going to be different to all the current kings in that time. Now, Isaiah was writing 1,000 years before the coming of Christ. Now, Isaiah was writing during the reign of an evil king called King Ahaz. Now, Ahaz was evil. And so what Ahaz decided to do, as he was being attacked, they sided with the Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians were joining forces with Israel so they can be able to conquer their armies, their enemies. And so what was happening is that the people of God, they're under oppression. And they're crying out for a saviour. But Isaiah gives us the first clue of what this coming kingdom is going to be like. It's going to be ruled with peace. That word peace is the word in the Hebrew. I just want to set this up and we're going to give some context as well. The word peace in the Hebrew on your screens, it actually means harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. Now, notice what I didn't say. Peace is about feelings. The more I speak to people today is that our understanding of happiness is determined by our circumstance. The reason why Jesus Christ came down so we can restore brokenness. And we need to get this this morning is that before Christ, we were enemies of God and Christ's coming was to restore the broken relationship that we had. And and, and the more I think about peace, it's got nothing to do with us. It's about Jesus. Yeah? I want us today to stop giving our peace away. You know, how do I put this in another way? So many times we're allowing our circumstance in life, our finances in life, to determine whether I have joy. But the Prince of Peace was coming so he can establish a kingdom that will be defined by peace. That's why this is peace I give you, unlike the world gives. What's the world gives? Feelings, money. If you hear lately interest rates, about the 33rd third time of a rise... Now, do you see what Jesus wants to do? Jesus doesn't want you to feel happy. He wants to bring you back in right relationship. Does that make sense? Now, I want to give you three functions of peace. Now, when it comes to this word shalom, that word shalom is referring to, firstly, peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Now, let's start with peace of God. The peace of God is about us coming back to, to God. Now, the, the, the lie is of the enemy is that we don't need God. We can just be a good person. 
We, we can just be good and I don't need God. When Jesus Christ comes to establish a kingdom of peace, the first thing he's going to do is going to bring us back to our original design. Before Jesus, we're enemies of God. But through Christ and him being born, I'm back into relationship with my father. That's the first function of wholeness. It's about being right with God. You know, when we often go through life, we become broken and we try to find meaning and we try to find purpose in our money, in our finances. But God wants you to have peace with him because that's where your breakthrough is going to come. That's where your blessing is going to flow. That's where it's going to happen. It's not through the world. It's through Jesus. Is anybody with me this morning? The second kind of way in which wholeness comes to us, it's peace with others. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Here's what I didn't say. Blessed are the peacekeepers. You know, there's a difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. A peacemaker recognises the coming kingdom and is always available to share the word of God no matter what the situation A peacemaker is always built on the idea that God is with them. A peacekeeper will always compromise for the sake of relationship. A peacekeeper will compromise based on keeping the relationship because I feel good. God is raising up a generation of Christians that are going to bring peace to this world by preaching a kingdom of peace. Jesus Christ is coming so we can experience peace on earth. Too many of us, we try to find peace in others, but peacemakers, they'll do whatever they can to bring the word of God. Peacemakers will do all they can. Why? It's because they know that Jesus is with them. Does that make sense, church? The last one, when it comes to this concept of peace, this is really important. It's peace with ourselves. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to distort this concept of peace. I'll be honest with you, church. Every time I lead someone to Christ, you know what the hardest thing for people is? Forgiving themselves. It's so hard. See, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to keep you grounded. He wants to squash you. And I've noticed that every time I say, hey, you've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, tears come down because they realize I've been made right with God. I can forgive myself because I know I've got a king who's going to bring some peace in my life. And that's why I give worship to Jesus. Too many Christians are being broken and the idea of peace is so you don't feel good so you can experience wholeness in your life. It doesn't matter what you say about me. I'm going to serve Jesus. It doesn't matter what others say about me. I've got peace. You can't take my peace, enemy. I've been saved. I've been set free. Their peace, it belongs to Jesus. Come on, somebody this morning. It doesn't matter what the enemy says about me. I'm going to serve my king. He's an everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. Does that make sense, church, this morning? In fact, I love this quote. It says, Jesus Christ is the only reason we can truly live peacefully with God. The right relationship with God is the foundation of living in harmony with all his creation. I really like that. Jesus Christ is called the Prince of Peace because he alone is able to restore every broken relationship, provide a well-ordered and balanced life, and offer assurance 
of eternal life. That's our king. That's why we get excited for Jesus. So I want to give you three. How does this affect us? I want to give you three ways in which this affects us. Next slide there. Peace is about wholeness. That's why the message of Jesus is so important. He wants to restore the brokenness in relationships. It's about not feelings. It's about being right with God and knowing that nobody can take my peace. Secondly, peace comes to those who are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. And Jesus is the reason we can experience true peace. Does that make sense? I'm setting this up this morning. We're getting somewhere. My second point this morning is that the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. Next slide. The kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. Next slide. It says, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. This is the interesting thing. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but itself will endure forever. I've read that this week, and I'm like, such a simple truth, but how powerful is the meaning? I want to explain this. Now, this is the second way we understand the kingdom. The first, it's peaceful, but now Daniel is revealing something powerful about the coming kingdom. It's everlasting. Now, Daniel, for those who have never heard about Daniel before, he was a a prophet, apocalyptic prophet. Daniel was taken away out of his homeland and the the Israelites were taken away into exile. The people of God, they rebelled against God and a king rose up, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar is an evil king. He thought his kingdom was the best, the biggest, the wildest. He walked in his kingdom thinking that he was in control. If you remember the story, one day, Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream. And he's frightened of this dream. And so he calls all the astrologers, all the magicians, all the so-called wise people of the day, and he gets them to come together to interpret his dream. Now, think about this. He has a dream. What was the dream? The dream was a giant statue, if you remember So he has a dream of a giant statue. Now, he couldn't figure it out, so he calls Daniel. Daniel comes in, and he interprets the dream. I think I've got a photo up there for you. He interprets the dream, and he starts to tell the king about this dream. Now, if you remember, the statue would refer to all the coming kingdoms that was going to be in the house. If you remember the story, if you remember the first kingdom, it was the Uh, the Babylonian kingdom under King Nebuchadnezzar. He has a dream. The second kingdom was going to be the Persians under Cyrus. The third kingdom was going to be Alexander the Great and the Greek conquest. And then the last kingdom he sees as a representation of the feet, if you see on the bottom, iron and clay, which would represent the Romans, the divided kingdom. I'm getting somewhere. I just want to set this up. So we're all on the same page. Now, the second dream Daniel has, he sees a small rock. The rock was a representation of who? Jesus, Christ. Now, in his dream, he sees the rock. What happened to all this, these kingdoms, which will be later realized, it crushed 
the statue. It crushed it. Why? It's because every kingdom that tried to go up against God's kingdom failed. And the rock was the one that smashed every single empire. The Persians were crushed. The Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar, they were crushed. Alexander the Great tried to come up against God. He was crushed. The Romans, the most fierce army in the world. See, this is my point. Anytime you try to go up against the kingdom of God, you will fail. Anytime you try to go against the will of God, you will fail. Anytime you try to do things that's not from God, he's the king, he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's the God of glory, he is holy, he is righteous. Here's my point, don't go against God. Come on, you with me this morning, you hear what I'm saying? So here's my point for those who are here. So many of us, this is where I'm setting it up, we should have confidence I'll try to keep my excitement down. I just want to explain this. If Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and he's smashed every single empire in the whole entire universe, everyone that's come up against him, why aren't we walking boldly? Why aren't we walking confidently? If Jesus Christ is eternal and his kingdom is not only peaceful, it's everlasting... We should be walking as soldiers for Jesus Christ. Church, the Bible says don't throw away your confidence. Why? Because I have the confidence knowing that I serve an eternal God that is the King of Kings. I can walk boldly before the throne of grace. I know I can be saved and set free. It means that what this world tries to do to me, you will never go up against the King. My point is this. Don't put your confidence in the things of this world. Don't put your confidence in politics. Don't put your, po- your, your hopes in politics and politicians and putting all these things in different ways. Put your hope in Jesus. Put your hope in the King of Kings. But you say, Josh, I'm a little bit tired. I'm a little bit upset. I just don't know if God loves me. No, he loves you so much. He's willing to send his own son for you. He's willing to die on a cross for you. I want to know that Jesus Christ is eternal. And because of that, I am continuing to walk in victory. I am continuing to walk in power. I'm continuing to rise up because I know my king loves me and he's coming for me back. He's coming back. Can I get a witness somebody here this morning? Come on, give him a two-second shout of praise for a little bit. Come on, amen. Someone get excited for Jesus. I came across a very interesting verse. In fact, it's talking about these coming kingdoms that were set up under Daniel's time. And Yahweh, the Lord, has this prophetic word for these kinds of kingdoms. He's got a prophetic word. And I believe the prophetic word is this. Next slide over. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. How does this relate to us right now? is that knowing that Jesus is coming, it means whatever enemy comes against you in the name of Jesus will crumble. Whatever devil that comes in your way will crumble. Whatever evil spirit tries to mock you, no, talk back. We've got to start fighting back. My king's eternal. My king has won the victory. Love what it says in 1 Corinthians. Next slide. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. When he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Come on, somebody. The last enemy that will be destroyed 
is death. Death will be going to hell. Death is not the final answer. Death is no, not the final answer. It's a means to a beginning because we have Jesus. Knowing that he is God makes us with him. That's why it's everlasting. That's why we can rejoice. You know, I'm talking to people that maybe have lost loved ones. Maybe you've lost somebody in your life. Maybe you're here broken and you've lost sight of the fact that maybe God is with you. I want to remind you, be confident. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour because this world will never satisfy you. There is one who can satisfy you and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm closing this soon, but I just want to set this up the last. Well, how, what does this mean for us? I don't want to leave you without application. We can be confident knowing that the King of Kings is on your side. We can be confident knowing that God has given us his authority through Jesus Christ. We can be confident knowing that Jesus Christ has the final answer in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. He is the final answer. And I pray to put your trust not in people, but in a kingdom that is everlasting, in a king who is eternal. Thank you very much. Let's go to the next slide here this morning. I'm going to close on this, but not uh, before I set this up. I'm going to give you the most hardest passage in the whole entire Bible, I would argue. And I felt like God was revealing something about his kingdom. Now, notice that we talked about the first two is what the kingdom is like. I will now describe to you how the kingdom works for us. The Bible says, the kingdom, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. Wait a minute. Let me explain myself. What I'm not saying to you this morning is that the kingdom of God has suffered violence. Remember that it says in Hebrews that the kingdom of God will never shake. You can't shake the kingdom of God. It's unshakable. And I was reading this verse, and what do I mean by violence? And I just really think this is so important for our generation right now because we know it's peaceful. We know it's going to be eternal. But do you know how we get it? It says the violent take it by force. Now, the NIV gives us a different picture. The next slide, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. Okay, I'm, I'm, let me set this up. It's going somewhere. The next one in Luke's gospel says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time... The kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. For those who are Greek here this morning, I've been practicing my Greek, okay, to set this up. The word violent, the word force, the actual words in the Greek is the word biadzo. Now that word biadzo is referring to laying hold of something with positive aggressiveness to advance forcibly. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying to go and hit your husband and be aggressive. I'm not saying you can go do, be a guy out there in the world. We're in an aggressive world. What I am saying is that Jesus Christ revealed something precious about his kingdom and is revealing to us that sometimes in our Christian walk, we've got to be spiritually aggressive. Are you with me? Sometimes 
we've got to, as Christians, stand up for the fight. Sometimes we've got to stop listening to the enemy and fight back. Are you with me this morning? I want to tell you what uh, Charles Spurgeon says. He says, A holy violence has been introduced by John, and our Lord will have all those who would obtain the kingdom capture it by the same passionate eagerness. The time was come to end indifference and put on a holy resolution as to the things of God. Now, who was he talking about? Who was uh, he talking about? John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is preaching the gospel. John the Baptist is declaring the kingdom of God has come. Now, the Pharisees, the scribes, they thought they could enter the kingdom of God by righteousness, by religion. But who was flocking to Jesus and to John the Baptist? The sinners and the tax collectors. Why? Because they were desperate. They needed the kingdom. They wanted to hear while the scribes withdrew. This is what religion does. Religion says, oh, I'm okay with God. Religion says, I can come to church on a Sunday and my life's going to be okay. What the kingdom says, no, no, you've got to go after it. Come on, you've got to come with every fibre in your body. You've got to be passionate. Now, I'm not saying you've got to earn salvation. I'm saying that sometimes you've got to press in. Does that make sense? Recently, I heard a story that really helped me understand what this passage is talking about. There was a lady who was 23 years old. She was a young girl. And what happened was, is that a car started to roll back in her driveway. And guess who was uh, under the car? It was a baby. Uh, This blew me away. This is in America. I want to describe what I'm talking about. What happened was, is that the woman started to freak out, of course. Do you know her first instinct was to go and save her baby? What happened was, is that she went over to the car And out of sheer desperation, she actually was filled with adrenaline. You know what she did? She picked up the car and they saved the baby. This is a true story. Here is my point. Sometimes we've got to be desperate. Sometimes we've got to lay hold of it and don't let the enemy take it away from you. Sometimes we've got to pick some things up in our life and say, Lord, you're with me. I'm desperate for you. I'm not going to do anything else unless I get into your kingdom. Fight for our families. We need to fight for our family. We need to fight for our children. We've got to start fighting. We've got to start being spiritually aggressive. Jesus Christ has given us the keys. You know, when Joshua was called to go and conquer the Canaanites, what did he have to do? The Lord provided, but he had to fight. Sometimes you've got to go into battle. Sometimes you've got to look the enemy in the eye and say, no, you are defeated. You are a defeated fight. I'm coming after my king because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Is anybody here willing to fight for what's theirs? I remember when I got baptized, I'm going to close. If Joel, if you want to come up this morning, I told you I'm going to preach for three hours. But I want to leave you with this. When I first got saved, I remember that I wanted to get baptized. The most precious moment in my life. And I remember going to the waters of baptism. It was the most precious, beautiful moment that I've ever experienced. I invited my friends, my family. I said, come on, guys, come over. I was just so hungry for Jesus. I remember going through the waters of baptism. And what happened was I went home. Everything was great. I remember waking up. And I don't know what came over me, but it felt like 
that I couldn't move. It was the most strangest feeling because beforehand I was so on fire, everything was great and all of a sudden it felt like I'd just been choked down in my bed. What happened was I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. Nothing was where I could not get out of bed. What happened was is that when I woke up, I remember I was having these thoughts. And in my mind, the enemy was reminding me of every bad thing I've ever done. It's the worst. He told me about my past. He was saying, Yo, Josh, you're now a Christian. And I had every bad thought that I ever did in my whole entire life. And I just remember thinking to myself, how the heck can God love me? And he started to speak to me. And it felt like I was choking. And I couldn't get out. Josh, you're a loser. No one's ever going to listen to you. What are you going to do with baptism? And for the first time in my life, I felt so fearful that there's nothing I could have do to get out of that moment. And I, I believe that something shifted. Something happened in that moment as I was lying in bed. I just felt like the Holy Spirit just get me up. And I remember vividly in my mind, I got down off my bed. I actually did something that I've never learned before. No one told me to do it. I didn't experience it before. But I started to just say something. I started to claim the words of God. Now, now here's my point. What the enemy tried to do is he tried to snatch what God had placed in my heart. He started to speak lies about me. And when the enemy does that to you, he doesn't want you to have the kingdom. He wants you to be passive. He wants you to stop. He wants you to, religion, he loves that. When I got off the bed, I started to declare the name of Jesus Christ. And I said, enemy, you are a defeated foe. The Lord has put the kingdom in my heart. You have no say. Do you know what happened in that moment? The Bible says in Ephesians, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Church, I'm talking about a generation that is willing to stand up for Jesus Christ in the last days and to get ready for the kingdom because he's coming back and he's the Lord of glory. He's the whole, he's good, he's holy. And here's what I want you to do when the enemy says something to you, start back, talk back. No enemy, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ. Do not be anxious about anything, but in all situations pray. And this is how I was saved. And my story, I'm going to tell everybody that Jesus Christ has put the kingdom. And enemy, you can't snatch it. You can't take my peace. You're eternal. He's holy. And today, if you're here this morning, maybe the enemy's been speaking to you. Maybe he's told you lies. Jesus Christ is coming. Everything that I've said points to the coming Jesus. He's coming back to restore broken relationships. He's coming back for you. And I want to be ready for when Jesus comes back. I want Him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You never gave up. You're pressed in. Come sit with me at my right hand with my Father. Church, my point is this, and I want to close. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're here today, and maybe you can feel like I felt that the enemy is just coming for you. I want to release you this morning. I want to pray something over your life because the enemy doesn't have a say. He has no authority. 
I want to prophesy it into your life right now that His words will break in the name of Jesus. The lies that have been spoken over your life, they will fall and crumble in the name of Jesus. Your workplace situation right now where you think it's absolutely impossible to share the name of Jesus, I pray a release for you. I pray a freshness for you. I pray an anointing of the Holy Spirit for your life. I pray for the people that are struggling with fear. I break off fear off your life in the name of Jesus. For the Bible says you haven't given us the spirit of fear, but rather of power, love, and a sound mind. I pray for any lustful spirit. I break your lustful spirit. I pray for a spirit of holiness on your life. I pray for the ones that are dealing with pornography. I break it in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray right now that you'll be released from porn. You'll be released from idolatry. You'll be released from those things in Jesus' name. I pray for the ones that are struggling to forgive yourself. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you understand the blood of Jesus, that you will wake up with a revelation of the blood. I pray for family members who have lost a loved one. I'm speaking to your spirit right now. I pray that you can continue to put your trust in Jesus Christ. The world will not save you. I pray over the people that have lost your peace. I pray for a special anointing on your life, for a spirit of grace to empower you and to direct you in the name of Jesus. I pray all of this through the Holy Spirit in the name that is above every other name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the church gave me an amen. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We'll be back next week with another special guest.